need an Advil, maybe a second chance. Hey! Welcome to Stargate Second Chances, a walk into the Stargate podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this is episode seven, where we'll be talking about the season one episode, Children of the Gods. The pilot. The pilot. This is the first episode that started uh, the TV series. This is the one that gets it all going. This is all of those things. We watched for this one, the original pilot, um, not just the, the recut, although I might... Right talk a little bit about some of that uh, as I'm able. I have seen the recut, but it has been a number of years since I've done that. Um, so. I have also seen the recut, and it has been a number of years since I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Brent, uh, yes. did you... Now, the first time when you watched this, we watched this um, for episode one yeah. back in 2018. Um, you watch the recut then. Yeah, and uh, there's like three versions, right? There's the original original, then there's something, and then there's like the definitive director's vision or something, um, right? I think there's just the two. Oh, just the two? Just okay, the well, two. then I definitely saw the recut, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you notice anything particularly different? Um, well, I mean, sure, but other than that, um, honestly, no, I did not. Not once did I say to myself, oh, that was different. Um, and so, you know, I don't know if I just missed things or what, but, um, and again, like I've seen Children of the Gods once. I saw it in the summer of 2018. So uh, by no means was it fresh. Right. Uh, and therefore, you know, like I, I'm pretty sure that beat for beat, the story certainly did feel the same. Um, I, I do know based off of trivia type stuff that the, that the introduction of Sam Carter was different in the recut than in the original. Right. But uh, I don't remember the exact dialogue in the recut. So, you know, that, that, that was that. So, I mean, I guess that, that's a long rambly way to say, no, no, I really didn't notice anything different <laughs> between the two. Well, we can talk more about that uh, in a little bit. Sure. Uh, I do want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters yes. uh, for the podcast. You are the people who make this possible, yep. uh, not only through your dollars, but also through your votes. So thank you very much for both of those. Yes. Um, and uh, I appreciate this. And uh, if you who are listening to this later uh, are not a Patreon supporter and want to be, you can. You can go to patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. And uh, that's as much as I'll say about that. Yep. All right, shall we dig into some of the background facts for this episode? Yes, please. Let's do it. All right, so this is directed by Mario as a party. Mm -hmm. uh, he did like three or four episodes in season one, and that was it. Uh, yep. As I was reading earlier today, uh, the reason for that is because he did not quite get along with Jonathan Glasner and Brad Wright. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't quite see eye to eye on things. And so after a few episodes directing, he's like, I'm out. Mm -hmm. uh, the teleplay for this is by Jonathan Glasner and Brad Wright. Mm -hmm. uh, those are two people who also didn't see eye to eye on everything, which is why after about two or three seasons, Jonathan Glasner left. Um, and then Brad Wright took over the yep. creative play calling for this. The original air date for Children of the Gods was July 27, 1997. So yeah. that was almost 25 years ago as we record this right now, Brent. Whoa, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You were right. 
okay, I just had a moment. Okay, that moment's done now. So, so you had to pick your job back up off the floor, and the moment that I had was actually that I um, saw there was a rebroadcast of Encounter at Farpoint at like movie theaters for its twenty fifth back in nine. Uh, you know, the twenty fifth of that one was twenty twelve. Yeah. Um, which that didn't seem like that long ago at all. And now I'm sitting here like, oh boy, that was, that was 10 years ago. And this is 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. So I I saw a meme that said the difference between today and 1970 is the same time frame difference between 1970 and 1918. So, um, uh, so, uh, I'm glad that I'll be able to edit out the long pause because my brain literally shut off just then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. All right. So back to this episode, IMDB has a rating for this episode of Mm 8.2, which is pretty high overall. Um, but probably also kind of in that middling. I'm not certain. So, listener Rowan likes to take these things and convert it to the Chevron scale, and I'm gonna wink because I haven't I haven't done the math myself. Um, eight point two out of ten. That's probably a five and a half. Probably. Yeah, it's somewhere between a five and a five and a half. I would guess. Yeah. Um, uh, Rowan did put on Facebook uh, some weeks ago uh, how they uh, how they come to that scale. Mm-hmm. And fix that. Uh, I haven't had a chance to process that, but I was really excited to do so. And <laughs> this gives me an opportunity to potentially do that. There we go. We could just go over there and be like, all right, 8.2. We carry the one. You know, multiply Nothing. it by pi <laughs> times seven, divide by seven. four and a half. Nothing times nothing is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you add a couple of infinities in there and it works just fine. Sure. But if one of those is negative, then you're right back to nothing. Uh, well, well, no, because the negative infinity and the positive infinity cancel each other out. Did, and then the math so, works. Uh, and I learned that infinities are not all the same size. So depending on which infinity set you've picked, you might still have infinity. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand how infinity can't be. I mean, I understand that mm-hmm. there are different sizes to infinity um, because math and physics is weird mm-hmm. and things like that happen when you start doing weird crappy crazy crazy things like that <laughs> um at the same time uh the most basic definition of infinity is like ad infinitum right it, yeah it, it, uh so uh, how can infinities be different although now that i'm thinking about it you could have an infinite number of of uh you know coffee mugs and an yeah. infinite number of galaxies and yeah. necessarily the infinite number of galaxies is going to be bigger than the infinite number of coffee mugs because there's galaxies a, are bigger than coffee mugs there's a great youtube channel uh that this youtube channel has done nothing to get any kind of airtime on our show that's how much i like it it's veritasium and it's probably well known by a lot of folks it's actually pretty pretty well known generally speaking veritasium and uh derek i think is the guy's name derek did a video about the um about what i just said about how there can be different sizes of infinities and of course how it broke every mathematician's brain when it was first 
when it was first introduced, there were a number of mathematicians that were like, ha, good one. And then there was a number of other ones that are like, no, no, here's the proof. At which point they just went, uh, I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> uh, right. So, mm-hmm. Brent, we yes. first reviewed this episode on August 13, 2018. To wow, be fair, man. we actually reviewed it earlier than that, probably sometime in July. Uh, but when we had our first four episodes, episodes zero through three, then that's when we finally released them all on the 13th of August into yep. the ether. Uh, yep. That really kicked off this project. Uh, so I don't know exactly when it was, sometime in July of 2018. This was BC. Before COVID. <laughs> Before COVID. <laughs> Yes, this was in the before time. So it wasn't <laughs> almost four years ago. It was more like almost 40 years ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, interestingly, it only took us 48 minutes to talk about an episode that lasted 92 minutes. Uh, and huh. now we have 42 minute episodes that it takes us 92 minutes to talk uh, about. You know, it's, 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 you know, one thing that I was thinking about as I was watching this one. Uh, was, you know, necessarily, and everybody knows this, about how um, how a cast uh, in television, they don't really seem to find the groove, like the real sweet groove, until about season three or so, right? right? And then the longer they go, the more groove they get into, but then you kind of run out of story or it gets, or it gets um, repetitive or reductive. You know what I mean? Like you run into problems, so then you just kind of run out of steam. But um, I was contemplating that because uh, there was... Uh, you know, I'll get into it just a tiny, tiny bit before we really get into it. Uh, uh, Richard Dean Anderson's uh, um, Jack O'Neill felt very, very, very subdued, especially at the beginning of the episode. And I was reminded that some folks have said, yeah, when you listen back to our Zach, yours and mine uh, first episodes, like we were really subdued. We were still <laughs> we were still finding the groove. Yep. And yep. and now we have. Or at least I think we have. And that groove is a little bit more silly and bombastic and a, and a bit more energetic. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, those early days. Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, yeah, we, we it was definitely July. We wanted to get at least four episodes recorded and produced before doing anything because at least I wanted to start the channel off with enough content that a person could actually listen to some things and figure out if they want to keep listening or not. Yep. Um, yep. And so that's what we did. Yeah. Um, it, Julie did uh, listen to at least parts of this episode for us, and we'll talk a little bit about what we awesome. said in that episode. Uh, but she's like, her her first response was, uh, "Yeah, you were still figuring things out." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Hey, we all learn and grow. Absolutely. That's how it works. Well, Brent. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I have in my show notes here. Yeah. That you're going to do a brief synopsis for this. And, yeah. Yeah. dear listeners, he's going to do it live. Off uh, the refer- cuff. Yeah, I'm referencing, uh, what's this, Bill O'Reilly back in, what, 30 years ago where he got real mad and he swore at everybody and he's just a jerk. But he was like, we're going to do it live! Because normally I try to write up these things a little bit, but I was a little bit lazy this morning. <laughs> Sorry. Um so you ready, Zach? You ready for my off-the-cuff uh, remembrance I of what this episode's about? I am ready. Okay, let's do it. So this is the one where we are kicking off the television series. So we have to reintroduce a number of characters. 
We have to introduce some other characters entirely. And we have to come up with a plausible storyline to get some angst going so that we can actually keep watching episodes about this. Like it can't can't wrap up like a feature film. I was noticing that the length the runtime, right? It's it was a double episode. It was an hour and a half. Um, and while the original feature was, what, two hours plus two and a half, somewhere in there, something like that, like this is a runtime that is kind of close to a film. Uh, a short one at that, but uh, or a short feature at that. But, uh, you know, like they, they had the opportunity to tell a nice, richly developed story. I think they did OK, but we'll get to it. Um, uh, so we are um, we're reintroduced to the gate. We're reintroduced to the magic that is the Kawoosh. And we are introduced to or reintroduced to the awe that it inspires when people see it for the first time. Uh, we are told through some some card playing uh, uh, guys that are guys and a gal that are guarding the gate. Wow. That's a lot of G's Um, that, (laughs) uh, that it had nothing's been happening for the longest time that longest time though, being only like a year, I guess. And they keep shipping people out, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know, there's nothing's going to happen here. And of course something happens. Uh, An address is done or, you know, it comes on in Kawoosh uh, and uh, these serpentine helmed bad guys pop in. And then one guy pops his head open and is like, Ooh, that looks an awful, that looks a lot like Ra, but it's not Ra. And then there's this other dude whose face we get to see, everybody else we don't. And um, they take the first person that they could grab, happens to be the uh, female airman that was standing there. And they uh, shoot up the place. And uh, they uh, then then uh, this, this, this general shows up and uh, demands that the fire stop and they kind of stare down each other and the eyes flash and poof, off they go through the event horizon. Shoot it, you know, set it, shut it down. <gasps> what? What is happening? Um, so, you know, who is this bad guy and, uh, you know, what's going to happen next? You know, here we go. We immediately pivot into seeing, um, getting reintroduced to Jack O'Neill and he's staring up in the sky with a telescope and uh, uh, instead of it being Kurt Russell, we have Richard Dean Anderson in the role. And uh, Richard Dean Anderson definitely was giving me some Kurt Russell vibes at the very beginning of the episode. Um, not like trying to mimic Kurt Russell, but definitely kind of doing that relatively Kurt, relatively cold delivery of these lines like... You know, yeah, uh, we're having a conversation here, but uh, I kind of don't want to have a conversation here and just kind of keeping it steady, keeping it steady, keeping it steady. Well, time to go back to the SGC and uh, down they go. Yeah, he's been here before. Got to go through a couple different sub levels. Uh, and uh, we come we come walking in and we get uh, we get told uh, that uh, there's a big, bad problem. Apparently that, uh, you know, something has transpired that was not exactly covered in that mission briefing, debriefing that happened back in the movie. Something else has occurred. Well, they're about to send a bomb through to figure it out because they know the Abydos coordinates and clearly somebody stepped through that Abydos gate because there are only two in this universe. And just before they can send up the bomb, uh, Jack O'Neill's like, wait, wait, wait. Actually, you see, there's more. Meanwhile... I skipped over the fact that we just got a glimpse of Kowalski and, and uh, Ferretti. Ferretti. Thank you. Good and job, Brent. Thank you. You know, I only saw the movie, twi- you know, whatever. And I only saw the episode. When I, anyway, Ferretti. Um, but we get tossed in a holding cell and then more exposition of what happened in the movie is given. Remember those kids? Yeah, man. Just seems like yesterday. And side note, having lived 
through two years of what feels like 40 years, having a couple of guys sitting around a card table going, do you remember those kids when it happened 12 months prior is a little bit, just a little bit like, you gotta be kidding, (laughs) but whatever. All right, we're moving on. Remember those kids? Yeah, I remember those kids. Wink at the camera. Hey friends, if you never saw the movie, there were some kids back there that we liked. Okay, back on back on track. So they they conjure up a little bit of a plan to uh, send a recon team in to see what's going on. Well, but before they do that, gotta establish the fact that there's nothing bad on the other side. So we're gonna get that probe from MIT. Oh no, 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 says MacGyver. I mean Jack O'Neill. Uh get that Kleenex box, toss it through. The other side will know what it means. After a while, some unspecified amount of time, comes back. Thanks send more. So back to Abydos we go and we get to uh, once again uh, land in the um, the mirror Egyptian culture that set up with that was set up in the movie. We see old friends, we see Scara and then we see Daniel Jackson not being played by James Spader, but rather by this guy, Michael Shanks, who is doing this remarkably good job of emulating Spader's mannerisms. This is looking all right. This is working out pretty well. And we get to see once again the beautiful uh, Shari. I mean, Share. Um, Shauri. Shauri. Right. That was the problem. And uh, and it's been a year, but boy, they still kiss like newlyweds. But uh, hey, you know what? To each their own. It's a good time. Have uh, And then uh, we have ourselves an evening meal because there's a sandstorm going out there. And we get to drink some terrible moonshine that makes Colonel Jack O'Neill spit up like a baby and everybody laughs and then all of a sudden the gates are no no no, they're gonna get we're gonna gotta gotta show some the sandstorm goes down and we gotta go show people some things so jackson takes carter who oh by the way i totally missed skipped introducing carter sam carter where is he transferring from she is transferring from the pentagon and she's been working on the stargate program for a long time now in fact she should have been the one that went instead of daniel last year but you know things happen and so uh, we have ourselves a little bit of a moment which uh, I don't know. In the briefing room, like, I guess I'll get into the analysis in a minute. There's a little bit of a confrontation, but hey, you know what? Sam's going to be on the team. That's the general's decision. That's final. Off they go off world. Now we're back to where we were. So that so Sam and Daniel are going to go take a look at a thing. They're bringing along uh, Jack and uh, Ko- uh, both Kowalski and um, um, Fioretti uh, go. No, Fioretti stays. Kowalski goes with Jack. That's right, because Ferretti gets a bloody eye later. Anyway, um, off they go. And then they go to this room, and it's like, what are all these cartouches? And you know, these hieroglyphs, are da, da, da. well, you know, it's a bunch of symbols. They're grouped in sevens. There's line connecting through there. Like, so, you know, I mean, duh. Explain it to me in small words. Um, well, you know, it's duh. smaller <laughs> words. It's a map. It's a big map. Oh, but, you know, we tried. It's impossible. We tried all these things. Yeah, so did we asterisk you and me we've talked about before about how like there's literally only so many combinations with the symbols etc etc they could have figured it out whatever let's just run with it the two of the nerds get together and they discuss about how it could possibly still be used because after all these years these coordinates aren't accurate anymore right it's no longer at this latitude latitude and whatever it's actually drifted because of the expanded universe and blah, 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 and the Doppler shift, which I don't know really had anything. But anyway, and so there we go. The Boffins figured it out. And <laughs> um, meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, so the, the gate dials up and who steps through? None other than that same bad guy in all those serpent helmet things again. They shoot the place up. They take Sharae. They take Skara and away they go. Luckily for us, Freddy saw 
all seven symbols. Tell you what, this show would be dead in the water had it not been for Reddy and his one good eye. So, um, our team comes back and they discover the place all shot up. They uh, they figure out, you know, they, they dial back home. They get, gather everybody. Off to the gate they go. Now it's time for, uh, you know, the debrief and then figuring out what to do next. And the gist of it is they decide they have to keep going after these bad guys because those bad guys aren't going to stop coming after them. They know where they are now. They've got to be on the offensive, defensive, offensive. So they say, all right, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to give, we're going to get two SG, SG teams. We're going to establish the fact that we're going to have nine of them. And there's going to be a mission of exploration and contact of alien civilizations. And I don't remember Zach, if he said anything about the, the acquisition of alien technology, but definitely exploration, definitely contact of alien civilizations and and you, Jack O'Neill, you're going to lead SG-1, and it's going to consist of these folks and me, says Jack, or says Daniel. Well, Dr. Jackson, I need your expertise. No, 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 I'm going to go. But I need, no! Dr. Jackson, are you acting like a child? Yes! Okay, fine, you can go. So... He gets to go with the SG-1 team. Off they go. And now we are on a completely different adventure, right? So we kind of had Abydos repeat in the first half. Now we got this new thing happening in the second half. It's cold. Somehow going through the gate gives like uh, condensation on your face, but that's something that I guess happened that that, that resolves itself at some point later. Um, that's this something time, that though, happened in the movies too. Did it? Yeah. And then they just got tired of spraying people in the face, and so they're just like, forget it. Well, fine. they they explained that in a future episode that they put some seismic dampeners, and when you you know adjust for you know uh, stellar drift and all of that stuff, apparently it's not quite as a uh, taxing on the body to go through the gate. Gotcha. So anyway, so now we're on a completely different planet, one that looks nothing like Egypt, one that looks strikingly like the Pacific Northwest. And we pop through what is clearly a Stonehenge. In fact, it's it's established by the resident archaeologist that the, clearly this has a ritual purpose. Just look at the rocks. And so they're going to go on a recon thing. They've got their 24 hours. If they're not back in 24 hours, the iris that they previously saw is going to be permanently sealed. Permanently. They're going to close it and weld it and put glue on it and put a ribbon on it. I don't know what. And importantly, the, uh, uh, what do they call the codes? The something codes. Um, the GDO. GDO codes, uh, which I think GDO gets established later. But the codes that they have to open up that iris, getting wiped out of the system, friends. So if you're not back in two, four hours, you are G-O-N-E gone. So they're off they go. They're going to do some research or some, some recon. They immediately run into some people that apparently are worshipers because as soon as they pop in and say, we came in through the Chapa Eye. Oh, Chapa Eye, Chapa Eye. After a mostly English with one non-English word discussion later, they discover that they can be taken to the nearest town of Chulak. Chulak's great this time of year. And so off they go. Go over to Chulak and uh, they're, they're brought into a big old feast. Look at this. This is nice. I'm going to have myself a little snack, you know, when in Rome, right? Oh, everybody's bowing down with the, with the weird, like, you know, synth horn thing. And who should walk in, Zach? None other than this serpent guy and his wife. I skipped a scene. Um, the scene being that uh, we've decided that we need to have a new wife. Uh, we try a couple of people. One doesn't cut the mustard. Happens to be killed. Happens to be that sergeant from the beginning scene. Oh, man. 
shoot. And the other one, wouldn't you know it, happens to be Sharae. This one's chosen. Sharae's chosen. It's a oh, brutal no. scene. She is she is she is not wanting that. And um anyway, here she is, uh looking all regal. And uh I think she flashes her eyes. And um anyway, uh the yeah, the 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 situation gets kind of you know, kind of hairy because as soon as uh, as soon as Daniel sees Sharae, he bolts right up and he's like Sharae, and that of course creates a moment where everybody gets captured Indeed. because you know, there you go. And so uh, in prison they are. Oh, who do they see? Ah, Scara. Hey, buddy. So convenient that you're here. And um, oh, I skipped another scene. How they get up on Shulak? It's because Ferretti gave them the codes. Anyway. I'm doing this live. So they're in the prison and there's Scare uh, or Scara and there is um you know a whole bunch of people in Scare. <laughs> I know I'm mixing them up. Why? Because the story kind of mushed them together a bit. Um right. So uh meanwhile there is there the, you know the other face that we saw at the very beginning this imposing dominating person clearly is not liking what he is seeing. As these people are being taken advantage of, something is happening inside this man that is causing him to doubt what is happening. And so, but that, that's 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 a suffering for another time. So uh, they pop on in and they uh, they they decide that it's time to get uh, to get some get some folks. Time to uh, time to get some children of the gods. And one person is chosen, and then another couple come on down. And who are they going to choose? Oh no, it's Scar. Oh no, they oh, choose no. Scar. Oh gosh. O'Neill jumps up to fight and he gets beat back down. And, oh man, this is not looking good, friends. But you know what? Our SG team, they're still trying to figure out a way to get out of this thing. They just gotta just gotta find an opportunity. Just gotta find find an opportunity. Well, a little bit later, the opportunity comes. I might be skipping scenes again, but let's get to the point. Income uh or no, kill the rest. Wasn't that it? It was right then. It's kill the rest. And so uh, this big, big guy that is clearly leading the the serpent helmet guys is like, you know, like, you know, pushing people back. But you can kind of see it on his face. Something's, something's happening in his mind. Something is happening. And uh, off, uh, you know, off the wimpy ghoul would go. And uh, everyone's about to get slaughtered. And O'Neill steps up because he has been seeing it in this guy's eyes. This guy doesn't like what's what's happening. He can tell. He can tell. He stands up. I can help these people. Many have said that. But you are the first that I believe. He tosses, you know, this this big beefy dude tosses him a staff weapon and, uh, no, shoots somebody, tosses the staff weapon, grabs another staff weapon, starts shooting everybody up and just dominates the situation completely. It's wonderful. And... Uh, you know, right then, uh, you know, Jack uh, tells everybody to get out of the way, blows a hole in the wall. Everybody starts pouring out of this prison cell. And then this man that has been the leader and this, this rebel, this, this now traitor has a, just a stricken look on his face. There is nowhere for him to go. There's nowhere for me to go for this. You can stay at my place. Let's go. Hey, what's your name? My name is Teal. Nice to meet you. I'm Jack. Let's get out of here. Off they go. 
And uh, meanwhile, they started getting chased by a death glider, the death glider that had just recently deposited everybody. And clearly, Skara has this look on his face. It doesn't look quite right. And uh, then it transforms into a regular proper death glider and starts shooting everybody up. And everybody's like, oh, no, we're going to die. And all of a sudden, a rocket comes coming off the ridge, blows it up. And the thing plummets out of the sky and bursts into a giant flaming ball, a flaming ball, which uh, this strange god person. Oh, yeah, we know him by now. Apophis. Um, this, uh, you know, Apophis looks over his shoulder season he's like i don't want to be any part of this a theme which will return over and over and over again and (laughs) in through the horizon he slips meanwhile our heroes are trying to scramble their way while repelling oh no after that point that was it so they just get get back all up together again all right gotta get going running out of time meanwhile back on earth there's this uh slick haired dude that's like we have to shut this thing down and then the general's like yeah i don't know give me a minute no we gotta shut yeah give me a minute meanwhile our heroes are trying to get off world and they're like yeah give me a minute it's like hurry up and dial the coordinates already meanwhile back on earth okay it's time to shut the thing down meanwhile back at the planet the bad guys are coming and here we go we got to get it just get the notes get the notes and in a wonderful james spader moment he's like i got it and punches it in and and then carter goes through and she's like all right hold on we got a whole lot of refugees coming in and then daniel's putting them in two by two because it's an arc or something and then they go in they go in they go (laughs) and they're trying to hold back wave after wave of bad guys and they let off the claymores and there's this big guy that's just hucking rocks i don't know where he came from but he seems important spoiler he's not and um <laughs> he lives but whatever uh and uh they're 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 holding it holding down the fort holding down the fort and finally they get everybody through but not before one of those little wriggly dudes jumps in and hits the back of kowalski oh no and in through the gate they go and they shut the iris and splat, splat, splat. You hear a few more of the guys get completely decimated and then that's it. They close it down. <sighs> the You've day is saved. to do. But uh, sort of. The briefing's going to be interesting. And then our four heroes stand in a beautifully lit shot with the ring right behind them. And they say, what do we do now? We got to go after them. And one looks at the other and he, one says... For Share. And the other one goes, Yeah, for Skara. And then they walk away. Oh, wait, there's Kowalski. He doesn't look so good. His eyes flash. <gasps> the end. Well, so, yeah. uh, Brent. Yeah. Now, having seen this again, but the original cut for the first time, I guess, um, all of those things. What'd you think? I was a little surprised at how well I thought this thing held up. There was definitely some parts that were a little bit clonky, for sure. And there were definitely some things that, as I was kind of thinking about it, it seemed to set up what should be considered foundational elements of the story that then don't really seem to matter an awful lot going down the road. And the re- the one that really kind of stood out for me was the... um map room in Abydos because um, I don't remember. I do remember in season one, we had a bunch of moments where we discover something just tremendously monumental in the form of information acquisition. Uh, Torment of Tantalus comes to mind. Uh, Fifth race comes to mind, although I think that's second season. Um, And, I don't think I can remember another time where we are able to walk into someplace and have a, just a gigantic uh, deposit of information about where all the gates link up. And the reason why I think that's important 
Well, first, let me pause. Zach, am I remembering right? I don't think so, there's any other spot where so, we have that exact piece of information. Um, when the ancient knowledge gets downloaded into O'Neill's head, yeah, one of the things that he does is he, you know, goes clickety clack, clickety clack, clickety clack, clickety clack. I'm trying to stop, but I can't stop. And then he hits the button, and all of a sudden. Uh, what he did was added a whole bunch of new gate coordinates. Okay. So okay. they had the Abydos cartouche as set one and yeah. the ancient repository step two. And those are two sets that they have and they, they work with. And some of them overlap and others don't. Now, interestingly, though, so this is why I think that it's interesting. And I'm 100% sure that this is headcanon. Uh, they had to introduce the Abydos set in order to keep the television story going. I mean, that's a pretty pretty good way to get the thing keeping to keep it going. So the thing that I find interesting about that is that uh, number one, it's all in ancient Egyptian, right? So that kind of implies that that uh, Ra assembled this set of information, which is different than what the ancients had assembled. I think that's interesting. Number one, number two. It makes Abydos actually critical because we never see another set of data like this again. Um, and critical for Ra, uh, presumably. Meaning, like, you know, like it, 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 it's, it, it is interesting to me having seen the show, knowing where the story is going, understanding what, what the universe needed for this thing to work, that it would be Abydos that had this entire set of data, uh, meaning Abydos should theoretically be a lot higher up on the list of things to protect. Theoretically, maybe not. I don't know. It just seems it, it, it heightened its importance, especially, and its uh, importance is... Uh, contrasted so directly with how we literally just closed out that storyline at the end of last season. Um, and I mean to, to say like we told as best as I can tell the total of the Abydos story. And in that telling of the story, the importance of the set while foundational to SG one and the SGC continuing to explore worlds, duh, but like it wasn't really highlighted as being super unique in the universe uh, or at least in the galaxy. Um, I don't know. Maybe as I'm talking that thing out, it's like, well, I guess that's not necessarily a given. It's just, I'm finding it interesting. So and, here's my thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. um, we can reasonably ass safely assume that Abydos played a special role for Ra in his empire. Um, yes. If, if not as his home base anymore, um, certainly a primary original spot for that. Mm -hmm. um, it would make sense then if this is a primary original spot for him that he would hold on to his map of addresses there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we could uh, safely assume that other system lords also have uh, maps and coordinate rooms oh, like that, okay. but we you're right. We never see anything like that ever again. Um, and, um, once the SGC has gone to Abydos and scanned it and gotten all of that stuff into their digital system, uh, the importance of that specific room, uh, diminishes tremendously. Yes. Yes. It was just a curiosity to me. Again, when written, 
when pitched, when filmed, and when released, of course there was an idea about generally where this show was going to go more or less, but there was no idea about where it was going to be going in specific. And as a result, the important, like the uniqueness or the specialness of this particular room is just kind of, it, it, it is standing out to me again. Sure. It's a television show. They did their best. I thought it made, it made perfect sense and it got the thing going. And, it's fine. And you know, I mean, it was, it is a plot device. Yeah. Uh, uh, the movie had established that the Stargate goes one place. Yes. Um, and that it goes to the one place, and then you dial from there, and you go to the other place, right? Yep. It's just a single doorway that goes from A to B. Um, and they needed something for the premise of the show to uh, reveal to our characters that it's going to go other places, that it's yep. not just a single spot. And how do you do that? Uh, well, I don't know any other way other than, well, I came across this, you know, ancient repository of knowledge that has other gate addresses on it. Oh, yeah, I totally. use lowercase a for ancient in this sentence here. Yes, um, yes. Uh, and so you get the room. Um, and if you didn't have that, you wouldn't be able to go any further. The, the show would be done. Yep, totally. And now, speaking of the show would be done... Um, you know, there were there were definitely a bunch of hero moments in here, starting to establish the hero-ness of our characters in total. Um, and, you know, the briefing, the the introduction of Sam Carter in the briefing room, it's 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 like low-hanging fruit to bag on a little bit. I was surprised at how kind of how much I just don't I was surprised at how little I care because I because the character of Samantha Carter is becoming such a force onto herself that this little like you know quasi sexualized encounter that happens in the briefing room is like you know it's like all right yeah all right let's get this over with <laughs> let's yeah. let's carry on a little bit here because like this character is going to become totally awesome let's keep moving and um, you know i mean not that i'm going to give it any type of pass mm-hmm. i'm not uh but when you put this into its frame in the late 90s? Yes. This totally happened. Oh, yes. I mean... 100%. Uh, so, while it's not an excuse for it, you know, I'm not oh, it's, justifying yeah. it, but I am saying that it is not unrealistic. No. I look at it and knowing... Because I know the person that Samantha Carter grows to be, uh, I look at this and I'm just like, uh, barf, but let's move on. As in, like, I don't need to dwell on it. I don't need to be sitting here, like, just beating it over the head. I just look at it and go, uh, how disgusting. Yeah. And how frustrating. <laughs> like, but- Samantha could just run laps around these guys in all sorts of ways. How frustrating. The- let's move on so that I can watch her be awesome. Yeah. The one line in that, that, um, Really feels out of place, and they cut it for the reshoot. You know, when they redid it, yeah, uh, was that just because my reproductive organs are on the inside instead of the out doesn't mean that I can't handle whatever you can handle or yeah. whatever it goes right. Um, and uh, I, I will defer to my female friends and colleagues and such, but my experience is that women don't talk like that, right? As a general rule, um. And 
so the fact that they cut that line makes a whole lot of sense. Now, uh, without spoiling too much of it, uh, Amanda Tapping, uh, A, delivered that line quite well, and you yes. know, with all the gravitas that it required in the moment. Um, but uh, in, in future times, uh, you know, made fun of that. You know, it's like, this is ridiculous. That's a stupid mm-hmm. line. Um, and without spoiling too much of it, and this is why I think that it's important to keep, it's that in a future episode, we haven't gotten there yet, uh, she points a finger at that line, or the, the, the script does, and it's in her voice, uh, and it's just pointing it out and saying, what an absolutely ridiculous thing to do. Fun. Um, nice. And... So because they do that, which I think is great, um, I think it's important to understand in the mythos of Stargate that in the original pilot, this is something that actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Without, without excusing it. Right. Because it doesn't, you're right. Because it, it, it's inexcusable. And this is something that we have come to understand in the 25 years since this episode aired. Um, you know, especially compared to the 25 years prior to the episode airing. I mean, like, you know, cultures, cultures shift, man. They, they, they really do. But anyway, all right. Um, I thought the Abydos room was interesting. The briefing room. Yeah, let's get over it with it. Uh, but then kind of overall, there was, there was, there was, I was finding a lot of joy in getting reintroduced to these characters. Um, let me rephrase that. I was finding a lot of joy in getting introduced to Sam Carter. I was getting a lot of joy to getting introduced to Teal'c. I was finding a lot of joy in getting introduced to General Hammond. I got a lot of joy out of seeing Radar. Um, <laughs> I also was getting joy in um, saying hello again to Daniel Jackson through the personage, personage of Michael Shanks. And then there was the meathead, who, or the flyboy, who did fine in the movie, but was really cold, and I didn't really connect with his character at all and um you know he's back and he's a bit more dynamic this time and he seems to have a little bit more um uh he seems to have a little bit more gray matter between his ears uh (laughs) but um you know it's still it's still it's still jack o'neill from the movie just charmed up a little bit yeah but but knowing what is to come made this episode a lot, but be- I think knowing what is to come made this episode a lot better than probably when I first saw it. Um, that, uh, you know, I got to see Christopher Judge first put on the persona of Teal'c and what was that looking like? And some of the things he's kept, some of the things he hasn't, uh, uh, you know, there was, you know, th- th- he did a really, really good job in delivering that, uh, uh, that moment where he turns. Like I, I was grinning. I was grinning when I saw, you know, when, when this happened, like many have said that I was grinning. Cause I'm like, I know where this is going, <laughs> but you were the first I believe could do it. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> I had fun. I had a lot of fun with that moment, even though it was television cheese ball. Like, you know, all right, here we go. I'm going to get on one knee and suddenly no one can hit me. <laughs> um, you know, it's hard to hit people when you're wearing a big serpent helmet like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I I did have fun. I did think that some of the things were a little bit cornball, but you know what? It's all right. Uh, the sets were fine. They were fine. 
the off-world sets were okay, but it also really did look like they were borrowing from a prop department. Like, you know, like it just, it didn't quite have a cohesion, a cultural cohesion. Uh, one of the things of television cohesion that I really like to point to, and lots of people have, the Battlestar Galactica reboot in 2003, the miniseries, did a fantastic job in creating this cohesive visual look. Yes. Like, it, it it was saturated one side to the other. At no point did it look put together from some from leftovers from some other show. I mean, it was just consistent all the way through. And uh, this episode, you know, it just didn't look like that. When we were on um, uh, Chulak, uh, the feast scene absolutely looked like they were borrowing stuff from like Star Trek, um, <laughs> the original series. Uh, you know, like, and it's fine. It's fine. It's good enough. It's fine. But it wasn't quite as like solid as what we've seen later. And it makes sense. It was a pilot. It's a TV show. Like, yeah. I, I get it. But, um, you know, that is technically a mark down. Where it's like, yeah, you know, it's fine, but it doesn't. It's not quite as good as some of the other stuff. But yeah, I did. I I liked it. I had a good time. I enjoyed it, even though it was like at points. I'm like, all right, where are we at in the episode? Oh gosh, I still have another hour. All right, let's keep going. Um, you know, there was a few moments like that. But all right, what about you? You've seen this about seven gajillion times. Yeah. Um. So one of the things that I noticed this time around is that um Jaffa armor. Uh, deflects bullets a lot better in this than in future yes. seasons. I also noticed that too. I mean, yep. he's like, ping, 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 ping. I'm like, oh, like, oh, it's like only when, when you like kind of like miss the armor and you kind of get into those side patches where, you know, the, the creases and whatnot, then, then all of a sudden, then they get hit and they go down and all that stuff. But, but most of that armor or most of the bullets are just bouncing off that armor left and right. They were, they were like, yep. no worries. Um, that has changed. Now, you could make the argument, well, now we have, you know, armor-piercing bullets and blah, blah, blah. Something, all, yeah. You know, right. Sure, fine. Um, but we're at a point now where they're carrying all of this super heavy gear, and it does more to protect you from staff blasts than it does bullets. Yeah. <laughs> where, yep. Uh, you know, okay, that's fine. Um, uh, I, I did notice also that, uh, again, that uh, like you see this especially in the uh, the the prison scene right when when all the people are in that jail cell room, um, how do they open and close the doors? They have two mooks pulling and pushing <laughs> those doors open yeah. and closed, um, and you know that that juxtaposition of of uh, high sci-fi technology, yeah, and you know not <laughs> right uh was yep. was kind of odd um it adds you know i think they do better in mixing those two things um later on than in mm -hmm. this um uh I, I like where the show goes uh i don't much like where this is sitting overall sure yeah um but also when you recognize that you are moving from the movie into what the TV show becomes, um, I think this does an excellent job of bridging that, of taking mm -hmm. that next step. Um, and if you didn't take this step, you wouldn't be able to get where we're going. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that a lot. Um the bits of exposition that says, hey, remember that movie that we saw like four years ago? 
Um, mm-hmm. And well, three years ago at this point in time, and uh, you know all of these things that you maybe didn't actually see, but you need to know because it fits into the story. Um, you know, those were not; uh, those didn't bother me. Uh, was it kind of boring? Sure, but mm-hmm. you know that that's fine. Um, uh, yeah, I oh I, I enjoy. I don't want to dig into it too much. I do get a kick out of the MacGyver line. Uh, it took us. Oh yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, I blah, did get you know, that too. Yeah. MacGyver or something. And I'm really bummed that they cut that out of the the special the the final cut. Um, uh, it, it makes sense, I guess. Um, but uh, uh, but I just get a kick out of that. I I love that self referential treatment. Um, you know, and and to to make that connection. Um, you know, in fact, Jack O'Neill. Uh, reminded me as much of MacGyver as anybody else in this episode. Yes, yes. Um, you know, right down to the khaki pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he really did bring that persona. And I did like the eye roll that uh, Richard D. Anderson gave after the MacGyver line was delivered. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so this is... An episode that does a great job of setting things up. It's a pilot episode. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, that that's where it is for me. And and I don't know. Um, you know, it was fun to come back to it. It was fun to to uh, enter it to again. Um, at the same time, um, well, you know, there was kind of a nostalgia. Uh, I was watching this last yeah, night, sure, and mm-hmm. and I put it on there, and I was watching it. Uh, you know, I don't know about uh, sixty five minutes in, I was getting kind of tired and and a little bit bored because you know there's kind of a slow spot in that spot there uh, before mm-hmm. it ratchets up there. Um, but uh, you know, I was like, oh, this is kind of you know like yay, um, uh, and and I, you know, there's part of me that was like, ooh, let's let's keep watching. Um, let's get moving through this to the good stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, right. But it's not bad stuff. It's still good stuff. It's just, um, there's better stuff coming. Uh, which I mean, I think that that's probably the best way to describe it. There's better stuff coming. Yeah. Um, incidentally, uh, mm-hmm. I'll take this moment to talk a little bit about, uh, the, the final cut and the original cut. Uh, there is actually a great website. It's called uh, moviecensorship.com, movie-censorship.com. Mm-hmm. And they talk about Stargate SG-1, Children of the Gods, the original version versus the final cut. Um, and I'm not going to read everything, uh, but here's a couple things. Like 95% of the shots are different. Wow. Some are slightly different. Some are radically different. So some of them... Um, are because uh, they reorganized them and put them in different spots. Sometimes they they took different uh, takes and different camera oh. angles for things. Um, huh. Sometimes they would, rather than having kind of a wide shot, they would zoom in on a particular character to get kind of a closer shot. Um, okay. Uh, they added some things that may, that got left on the editing room floor. Uh, from before and all of that stuff. Uh, so only about five percent is straight the wow. same. The story uh, doesn't uh, change dramatically, but it does clean it up a little bit. I guess. 
Um, I don't know. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I literally do not remember anything from the recut that is different from the thing that I just saw. So one of the couple of things that really pop up into my head is, um, A, obviously they take the nudity out, which... Well, I mean, I'm ignoring that one because uh, that's like the obvious one. um, They recut some of the stuff with Carter's introduction. Uh, We mentioned that a little bit. Uh, They add to Teal'c such that when you watch the recut, you kind of see his uh, transition a little bit clearer. So, Mm. honestly, it's it's a little bit bonk-bonk on the head, but not quite. Uh, However, that said... In the original cut, it does feel kind of like a fast turnaround for him. So they yeah. they, they add some more stuff so that uh, we see his inner conflict a little bit more. It's expressed a little bit more, such that when he makes that turn at the end of the show, it's it's there. Um, I, yeah, I, I can see because I know where Teal is going. Therefore, all the little subtle things I was totally picking up. But right, I forgot if you didn't. You know, if you didn't know where you're going to go with this one, Teal, you don't know Teal's going to be a friend exactly. until the end. Yep. Um, they uh, they cut out the harem stuff, right? Um, now, obviously, you have the the women going in there and being tested, and then uh, Sharae being selected to be uh, what we will eventually know as Amanette. Uh, yeah. We don't know her name at this point in time. Right. Um, but they cut some of that stuff out. Um, then. Um, they they cleaned up a lot of the special effects for the final battle scene. Uh, oh, they okay. changed some things up there. Also, uh, they cut the whole story about uh, uh, Kowalski getting infested by an infant Guawuld. In the in, recut? In the recut. Uh, the recut has none of that in there. Um, which... I thought he... Did we then see... How did we... I thought we. I thought I went into episode two knowing that Kowalski was a problem. At the very least, it's because I told you. Oh, gotcha. Well, that's a bummer. How on earth is it? Whatever. Whatever. So, okay. So in the, I don't remember. <laughs> I remember saying this uh, because when I realized, and I think I we talked about this um, before we recorded the original pilot, or the original episode one. Um, I did go back and find the recut, and I watched the recut as well. So I had actually had mm-hmm. watched both of those pretty close together, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and my experience of the recut is it feels much more standalone. If you wanted just a movie or a movie experience, then then that's the thing. Because um, that whole thing about Kowalski getting infected and all of that stuff that definitely pushes you into that next episode. Um, I mean, it just drives it in there uh, yeah. to, to wanting to know what happens next. And if you're just watching this episode as it is, if it's kind of a standalone thing, then that's not especially necessary. And I think that, that's how I interpreted it. Why they and cut one, thi- one thing that I do remember thinking when the, you know, when, when, when a, juvenile ghoul jumps out of one Jaffa and into the back of, you know, up into Kowalski, I did think to myself, oh, that's not something that we seem to worry about anymore. Um, you know, we kill, we kill Jaffa left and right. And we don't seem to be like really concerned about like, watch your neck. Um, that's true. Uh, and so as a, uh, as a retcon, I wonder if it made some degree of sense to kind of 
hand wave over that because I don't think we ever see that happen ever again. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, uh, and even to the point of in Nightwalkers in season six, you have, you know, infant or immature Gua Wuld who have to be manually implanted into uh, the peoples. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, that makes that makes a certain amount of sense, I suppose. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So there are actually some significant differences. Uh, if I remember correctly, as I was reading this, I think that there are actually two gliders. They recut things so that there are two gliders attacking them instead of just the one mm. uh, at the end. Um, so I did find it a little bit peculiar that there was only one death glider. Mm-hmm. So, and I did notice that. I mean, we've talked about this before, but it was a little bit more obvious to me how they completely reused the footage from the movie. Of the Death Glider pew pews um, opening up and firing, and then you know the exact same shot only reversed, opening up and pew pew. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, hey, you do what you gotta. Yeah. Gotta, you, you you do what you gotta do. Indeed. Well, uh, Brent. Yeah. Upon rewatching this episode. Hmm. Um. Before, and I want to do this before we get to our original thoughts. Yes. From that. Absolutely. Um, how many chevrons would you give this now? I think, let's see here. I've got a feeling that if I watch it a third time, I'm probably not going to be quite as having such a good time as this second watching. Uh, the second watching, it was kind of cool to see the very beginning, like just watching these actors take on the persona of these characters for the first time. I, I, I got a kick out of that. I'm not sure how often I would enjoy it in quite the same way. But this time I did have a fine time with it. And the story I thought did a pretty good job of, of, of transitioning us into what will be serialized stories based in the Stargate universe. I thought they did a pretty darn good job. And there were certainly some hiccups here and there, but not so bad. And later, I'm going to get really, really, really frustrated with how easy Apophis is defeated and also how frequently he just seems to show up in places that just kind of almost <laughs> doesn't make sense. But that, but we're not there right now. It's just, that's the bad guy. And, and, and I don't know that there's, I mean, I do know that there's now so many more gates, but I don't really like know it so that, you know, that they're running into each other doesn't seem to make that big of a difference or that, that, that big of a deal. I think I'm going to give this one a six out of seven. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to give it a six out of seven ever again. But this time around, I really had a good time. I liked it. Cool. What about you? Um, you know, I don't think my opinion of this episode has changed dramatically. Um I think this is a good episode. It's not a great episode. It does a great job of making those transitions that we said. Uh, it does a really good job of introducing our characters um, and all of that stuff. You know, and we get to say hello to the new people and we get to say hello again to the people returning from the movie. Um, mm -hmm. All of that stuff. It's great. Um, but as I mentioned before, I also kind of get halfway through and I'm like, okay, I'm getting tired. This is, this is getting... You know, I, I've been here. I've done that. I, I've seen this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it a four. Um, yeah. You know, it's still good. Totally. It, it's solid. Yeah. Um, but there is so much stuff more that's better. And, Absolutely. And such. So. I think that if I were to watch it a third time, I would probably be rapidly plummeting toward your four. Right. That, but this. Yep. But this time, like I said, I mean, I just I just enjoyed it. I had a good time. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, 
Oh, wow. Okay, so I'm looking here at our notes. Uh, you oh. watched the 2009 recut. Definitely feels yeah. like a pilot. You said slower pace than shows of, in that case, 2018, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, RDA definitely brings his star power to this role, right? Yes, and I now see RDA as RDA, like fully fully formed in season seven. Uh, and he was dialing it back, I thought, in this episode upon rewatching it. However, it, I, I was impressed with how he brought the the Kurt Russell attitude at the very beginning, and then and then kind of stopped. He 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 thawed into more of his style pretty swiftly thereafter. Right. Uh, you have a couple of quotes here. Episode one mm-hmm. hasn't gotten me into the story. Episode one has just set the scene. Yeah. And then. Uh, I can just feel it in my bones that this might be one of those things where I might watch the pilot again, but only in the capacity of, let's watch that pilot back when things are kind of clunky and they didn't have their pacing right. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so with that, with that, um, do you care to guess what you, how many chevrons you gave this back then? I bet I gave it, I bet I gave it. I better give it a three. So you gave it a two. Whoa! Now, now there, there's a couple of caveats here, right? It's yeah. two if I didn't know more is coming, and a four optimistically anticipating more. Yep. Um, That's very rational. Yeah. So, uh, so there you go. Um, now you give it a six, which is kind of awesome. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think, fun. I think as you... And I suspect here's here's how I would uh, place you know the, when we started this, uh, I'm like Brent, I've got this great show, and you're like, okay, I'll do it, yeah, yeah. And you yes. watch this pilot, and you're like, oh crud, what did I get myself yeah. into? Yes, <laughs> I mean, I still I trusted you then, like, but but yeah, you know, you know, the the project was react honestly. Yep. So I did. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and so so you hit that too. And you're like, okay, I'll uh, I'll throw you a bone and give you a four because more is yep. coming. More is coming. <laughs> and and yep. then now here you give it a six, and you kind of have that second time around, and you know some of that more that's coming, and you just kind of yes. get this this joy with this. And then you said it yourself that if you were to watch it again, it would probably slide back down towards oh yeah that four. It's not that strong. It, it, it's fine. It's not that strong, but. It, this moment was driven by by nostalgia. It was like, hey, yep. oh, look at that. That's fun. Um, so my comments are, it's a good shift from Kurt Russell to Richard Dean Anderson. Mm-hmm. Some of the recuts are good and some of them are not. Uh, mm-hmm. We've kind of talked about that. And then my quote that, that uh, Julie posted here is, the show lasts for 10 seasons, so surely something good happens. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta trust that people are not complete idiots. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> so... How many chevrons did you give it back then? Four. I also you gave it four. four. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of in that 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 same. You're in that four zone. Four yep. zone. Yep. Yep. It ha- it has reached the four zone. Yes. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. So Brent. Yes. We now have spent close to twenty minutes more. Yeah. This time around than the first time yeah. around. Uh huh. Um. Which is which is cool. Of course, there's more to talk about this time around. Um, well, and also, I'm pretty sure that my off-the-cuff recounting of the synopsis was probably twice as long as your reading of it. Because we probably, 
what do you think? Do you think we copy pasted it from the wiki? Because that's what we used to do at the very beginning was just like just straight up copy it. So I, I copy pasted it and changed a few things here or there. Uh, yeah. Now I tend to copy and paste, but then edit the whole thing and just use that yes. as as a a point by point reminder for me. Yeah, this happens, then uh, that happens. This happened, yeah. then that happened. Yeah. Uh, sometimes if I get really, really tired uh, or I'm running short on time, I will, you know, uh, bring in larger swaths of things to that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But now most of the time it it's just, I use that as the, the jumping off point and what, mm-hmm. what comes, what the finished product is, is almost nothing like what was originally there. Yes. So, it's usually way better. Yep. So, uh, also, it gives me a chance to add my own personal kind of humor and snark. Hence, way better. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, folks, this is our thoughts and comments and uh, opinions about Children of the Gods in the Second mm-hmm. Chances. Um, email us what you think about what we had. You know, is there something that we said here that was new, or did we co- totally miss something again this time? Uh, you can do all that by emailing us at walkingthroughstargate at gmail.com. Of course, Twitter, Facebook, Discord, the website, all of that yep. stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, so with that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Stargate Second Chances of Walking Through the Stargate podcast. See you next time. Bye. Bye.